Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Best Books Ever. I am Tyler, and today we are finishing Battle of the Labyrinth by Rick Riordan, book four in the Lightning Thief, not Lightning Thief, Percy Jackson series. Lightning Thief is the is the first book. Um, I mean, we're here. <laughs> you know, we're here. We're finishing it. Lots of good stuff. I think this is up the part so far in the Percy Jackson series that I've had the most notes on. I don't know how that will translate to the length of the the discussion today, but uh, a lot of notes, a lot of things happened. A lot of small things, a lot of big things. So, um, as always, we will start with the very end, which has about nine, <laughs> nine I guess, moments of importance that happen, like, right after each other. Like, the last two chapters are ridiculous. Um, even just the last chapter, right? Uh, but, let's just talk about it. So, the very, 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 very end, like, the last sentence, uh, well, maybe not the last sentence, but the last few sentences, <laughs> um, we have Nico coming back out of nowhere. He kind of sneaks up on Percy and he basically uh starts to say that he has a he has a plan on how to defeat Luke um and then he gets distracted by the cake realize you know Percy's like oh he's probably not eaten like a you know anything good recently because he's presumably been in the underworld for this whole time and so he he lets him and he's like ah watch you watch you coming for some ice cream and cake so that'll be nice I'm sure we won't see that I'm sure that's like a you know, the end, and then the next book will open up way past that, but, um, ideas on how to beat Luke, you know, what are we thinking, right, like, um, I don't really know what it could be, I mean, I, you know, disclaimer, I have read the next book, um, I have read book five, which is the end to this sort of arc, you know, like I like I mentioned, they they Rick has made more books. I think he just came out with book seven, but it was like way later. Um, so you know, one through five is the original series. Um, I don't know. I don't remember though how they beat Luke. I mean, when I was, and I, and I, I didn't really make a note saying this, but uh, if we're jumping around a little bit, and we will come back to this point, but I just want to mention it real quick for the whole Nico plan thing. Uh, we do see that Kronos has, uh, you know, some way, somehow, not sure what the right vernacular is, but he did take over Luke's body, right? Um, which we know he had some sort of plan with because there was the possibility that he was going to try to get Daedalus on his side to make a body for him. We see that that worked very well for Daedalus, right? Like, that's like his, that's the reason he was named Quintus, right? It's because it was his fifth body. Um, which is another thing that gets, that gets revealed in this latter half is that Quintus was the Dallas the whole time, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, so him getting Luke's body, I think makes sense. It's like, okay, for some reason, Kronos cannot reach full power or something. And so he needs like a host body, uh, while he continues to, uh, I don't know, maybe build up his strength or something. Um. Luke makes sense. He's been kind of his right-hand man this whole time. Um, he, he, you know, he did save Luke from falling down the mountain. We're like, oh, that's weird. And he had, like, powers and stuff. Remember that note that we mentioned last time of, like, him telling Luke that he has... Oh, what was that? Let me go back. He said something about, like, you are now beyond harm. You know, so it's like, it all starts to make sense. Um, so now, driving back to the point of Nico maybe having an idea, I'm not quite sure, you know. There are some wild ideas there, right, of like, uh, oh no, so I, I forgot what point I was driving to before that, where I, I was reading this and I, and I saw that, and I was like, oh, because I completely forgot that that's what happens, that he, he like, controls Luke's body or whatever, Um and as soon as I read that, I thought, I wonder if they're going to have sort of a cliche ending to Luke's character, or I guess Cronus's character, um, where, like, 
Percy or Annabeth or whoever uh, gets through to Luke and like Luke sees the error of his ways and he's able to like internally fight off Kronos or something and Kronos isn't ready to not have a body so now that Luke fights Kronos off and like pushes him out of his body they can beat Kronos somehow like that's sort of what I was thinking in the moment when I was reading this um I feel like it is a very like this story type of ending I would be a little disappointed if that's it though um just because I don't know it's like it goes back to the trope of the power of friendship right and how that's used a lot um you know, I'd say more so in things like cartoons or anime, um, maybe not so much in books, but it's like, I don't know, you know, again, like, this all goes back to another question of, are they going to redeem Luke's character? And I think that they could, you know, I think any character could be redeemed in some form or fashion, but, um, again, I just don't, like, again, with this story, I think they could do it, um, because they keep having, and again, we'll talk more in depth about this as well later, but like they keep having that connection between Luke and Annabeth. I don't think for the life of me that they're going to like get together um, and like go, go that further step in the relationship. But like every time it's like, we see a lot of it in this book where Annabeth just can't let it go. And then even as well in this book, in this, in this latter half, even we see Luke in the like arena or whatever with Anne and Tellius or whatever. Um, and he's like, all right, kill them all except for Annabeth. And it's like, ah, oh, come on. Like, you know, so we, we keep getting reminded that neither one of them can give the other one up. Um, again, I don't think it's leading towards like, you know, any sort of romantic thing, but they could very easily be setting up for there being an ending like that, power of friendship type thing. And then Luke somehow gets redeemed and it's like, oh, he's, again, he saw the error of his ways. He jumped over to their side. Again, if he is the one uh, taking a huge part in actually defeating Kronos, you could write the events in a way where it's like, okay, we still don't, love Luke as a person you know he still has a long way to go but you can see how certain things in his life like you know like you can see how the dominoes fell and caused him to do what he did um but then I step out of this story and I'm like but he is <laughs> he is such an integral part in bringing Kronos back you know like he's so so important in Kronos's plan that it's just like how could you redeem him you know but we'll touch on a, a couple other aspects of that later when we talk specifically uh in regards to Annabeth um but yeah just kind of rounding that out ways to beat Luke I don't know I mean he already seems very very powerful you know like he he, he waved his hand and through Percy across the, the, the cavern or whatever. Um, so I don't really know you could beat him. There might be, again, this is like Greek mythology type stuff. And we've already seen so many magical items. There might be something like that to beat him. Um, other than that, I'm not, again, the magical item, I'm not, I'm not really sure, but Nico seems to have a way. So I feel like it has something to do with the underworld and he doesn't, you know, cause that's like, his thing, so it makes sense for him to discover something that is related to the underworld or to Hades or something. So, um, something like that. And it's very interesting to see if Percy was the first one that that Nico went to. It would make sense because the only other person I could see him going to is Annabeth, because he, him, and Annabeth seem to have some sort of like understanding. Um, you know. Something like that. And also, he he doesn't feel like he belongs at Camp Half-Blood, so I don't think, even though it would be smart to go to Chiron for something like this, I, th I think it makes sense that he would go to Percy first. So, um, yeah. A lot of good stuff there. Um, we're just, we're just going to knock out all the very end stuff. Might as well. Like I said, there's a lot. Um, Typhon. Typhon is rising. 
uh, that's huge, right? Like, Poseidon talks about it, and he says, last time he rose, it took all of the gods to barely fight him off, you know, and now, I feel like the gods are, are very splintered, so could be bad for everybody, will be bad for everyone, like, this is happening, um, so, you know, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate because Percy immediately blames himself, but Poseidon tries to calm down, say, hey, this was going to happen sooner or later, and it, and it was already sort of bubbling, so it's not completely your fault, um, tough, <laughs> because how does this play into the whole Kronos war that's happening, obviously, this wouldn't be mentioned if it wasn't going to happen next book. Like, it'd be weird for them to be like, oh, Typhon is rising, and then we just never see him. It's like, why Why did we, why did Rick Riordan write that, <laughs> you know? Um, so we'll see him. I'm assuming, same thing, he's he's going to go against the gods. So that's just another enemy that we have. That's just another thing we have to fight. We're going to fight Kronos. <laughs> now we're going to fight this guy too, you know? I mean, along with all the other, like, minor gods and all this, so... This is not, uh, this is not going well. Like, every day we learn something new that causes us to, uh, have less and less confidence in the good guy side, <laughs> right? Um, also, Poseidon did not only bring bad news, uh, he also brought a sand dollar for Percy. That's interesting, again, magical items are always very cool. Uh, in this series, most of the time we don't. We, I think they're interesting. I think that's really the best way to put it because uh, gifts are always bad. They always come with some sort of catch. Um, the only ones that didn't was Hermes gave Percy some gifts that were very helpful. I think we talked about this last time because we were afraid of the whistle that Quintus slash Daedalus gave him but you know i feel like that is sort of a you know chalking it up in the wind column because we were very 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 uh suspicious of quintus and it turns out he was good you know again he, you know, he's done some bad things and created the labyrinth turned out to be you know caused a lot of despair <laughs> especially for many people uh closely related to our protagonists but uh, turns out he was, he was mostly good. He was just kind of chilling, you know, like he was trying to cheat death, which is bad, but you understand. Um, and it didn't, and it turns out he wasn't an agent for Kronos. That's what they were, uh, that's what they were believing. That's what they kind of were making us as the reader believe. And now, uh, Whistle was great. Miss O'Leary, great. Uh, Dallas even came back at the end to help them, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, as well as, uh, uh, Briaris, the 100 man, 100 hand man, uh, they both came back, so that was really cool to see them again, both of them redeemed in their own ways, um, but yeah, yeah, I did, uh, I did sort of, like, think of all of that, as well as we go back to the bad gifts, though, <clears throat> you know, we look at, um, Luke giving him the, the wing shoes, uh, Ares with the, uh, what do you give him, the, you know, like backpack, all the supplies, but it also was magical and had the lightning bolt show up at the least opportune time. Um, what other gifts were they given? I feel like there was one more thing that was bad. I don't remember. But yeah, so it's like mostly bad stuff, but you figure Poseidon's not going to give him a bad gift. I'm um, not really sure what it's going to be for, though. Because he did say it's like payment. So you assume it doesn't do something on its own. He probably has to give it to somebody. Or maybe chuck it into the sea and the sea will give him something. Maybe like a weapon or something. Uh, maybe a mode of transportation. Um, you know, because again, eh, you know, gods can only help so much. So I'll have to keep an eye out on that. What that ends up being. Um, also, at the very end, we have Annabeth rejecting Hera's hospitality, right? We learn Hera was helping them many, many times, unless she's lying, which I guess she could be, uh, you know, but she was the one that uh, made Percy's arrow fly straight. 
could have sworn it would have been like Artemis or Apollo because those are the gods that he prayed to in that moment, but it was Hera. Uh, Hera was also the one that paid for safe passage with the ranch. So she, she you know, she was very much helping. Um, however, like every god that helps that we've seen so far, they always do it for their own, you know, their own ulterior motives, right? Their own selfish uh, needs and agenda and all that stuff. So, um, you know, Annabeth, we thought, <laughs> we thought Percy was the only one that had the habit of making enemies of gods, but now, nah, but now nah, Annabeth has one, you know, and yeah, Annabeth has one in Hera, so I'm sure that won't play well. I'm sure at some point in the next book, we'll see a moment where, again, I don't know how that would work, you know, because like Ares makes sense. He's the god of war. So it's like, okay, when you try to fight, it's not going to go your way. But with Hera, it's like she's like the god of marriage or the goddess of marriage. So I'm like, I don't really, you know, is she going to cause like a rift between someone? I don't, I don't know. Again, she's not really the god of love because it's Aphrodite. So, but yeah, I'm sure at some point we will see something where it's like, oh, Hera is being petty and getting her revenge on you, Annabeth. So that's tough. Um, we also have at the very end, Annabeth finally revealing the last line of the prophecy. I don't remember it, but it, it's it's something to the effect of, "You will lose someone you love to something worse than death, or whatever." Right. So obviously, you would think death would be the worst way to lose a loved one, but this prophecy is like there's something worse than that, and so they don't know for sure. But they both are sort of, uh, you know, hypothesizing that it's Luke, right? Annabeth loves Luke um, in some way, right? And Luke didn't die, but he does have Kronos in his brain. <laughs> so, you know, maybe worse because, you know, death would, would, would suck, but... Having him be the one that is the body of Kronos, you have to fight him. You may have to make a very, 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 very hard decision at the end of this war uh, or to end the war, right? So that's tough. Because um, I'm not really sure what else it could be unless the prophecy hasn't fulfilled, you know, you know, been fulfilled yet. But they didn't really lose anyone else, right? Because, I mean, again, it's... This is all in relation to Annabeth, Annabeth because she's the one who got the prophecy. And I don't think anyone, no one else died that was close to her. So it's got, it's, or again, not died, but, you know, lost. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be that. It's got to be. Um, some, I guess, happier stuff slash more optimistic stuff. I feel like I covered a lot of pessimism <laughs> so far. Um, we have Dionysus, Mr. D, standing up for Grover. I thought that was really nice. I think, you know, I keep bringing up the whole Snape thing with Harry Potter. If you don't know, you know, Snape is kind of the teacher that, um, I guess spoilers, but, you know, Snape's the teacher that did the whole time, the whole series, you're like, wow, Snape sucks. He's like hounding Percy for every little thing, or not Percy, Harry hounding Harry for every little thing, whatever, whatever, and you're like, wow, Snape sucks, we, we hate Snape, and then there's a switch, and you realize, oh, Snape actually cared more about Harry than pretty much any other adult in the entire thing, I maybe, I mean, yeah, honestly, you know, more than anyone, even, you know, even like Dumbledore, right, and you'll see, oh, Snape cared, and he actually kind of loved Percy, I keep saying Percy, Harry, um, and so that's what I really wanted uh, I guess I already read this, but I really wanted this to be something <laughs> where Mr. D turned out to be that kind of character. Because so far he's been like mean and cruel and just whatever, right? But then we did have that moment at, at the pier where he was like, you know, you can always ask for help. Kind of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge type thing. And he did help, right? And then even in this moment, he comes back and he's like, Grover's right. Sounds like something Pan would do. I'm on Grover's side. He didn't have to be. He could have just stayed out of it, right? Very easily could have stayed out of it and been like, I don't I don't care. <laughs> I literally don't care. 
Um, so yeah, I just, you know, I just really like that. I like this kind of, um, peeling back the layers of, of, you know, of Mr. D's character and him being a more active part in all of this kind of, you know, as much as he can, again, he is one of the gods. So there's that, but, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see more of him because I think we've just seen him help more and more. You know, like I said, we saw, uh, the peer moment last book, we're seeing this moment in this book. So, you know, next book kind of being the quote unquote final one in this arc. Um, and, 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 you know, we know he's not a chronos aside unless he's a crazy double agent, which would be insane. And I don't remember anything like that happening, but I guess it could. Cause like I said, I don't remember <laughs> that would be wild. Um, yeah, cool to see him. Right. Um, again, some more positive things, uh, day Dallas, unfortunately passed away, but it was something he sort of wanted. He's, he's been cheating death long enough. Um, he did leave our character some things uh that's amazing he left percy uh, mrs o'leary which is really cool you know one from like a practical standpoint it's like okay she's really good uh for fights and stuff obviously we've seen that uh, but also from just a companion sort of thing where you know percy can't really keep her in uh his place with his mom and stuff but um you know there's another companion because i think percy even though he has friends and stuff you know uh, annabeth Grover, Tyson, you know, all that, you know, there are moments where it seems that everyone has to go their separate ways, and he's just like, oh, what do I, what do I do now, and so sort of having Miss O'Leary, I think, could be really nice for him, um, Annabeth, though, I think is the more exciting one, where she was given Daedalus's laptop, which had basically all of his plans on it that, that he could, uh, that he could, uh, save from the fires and all that, um, not only, like regular stuff but it was also stuff like he started and never finished you know very new exciting ideas uh, as well as some of his favorites his his classics um and just gave it to annabeth and like annabeth you know is gonna like i don't know like faint <laughs> she's gonna go to a coma from like how excited she is because um you know i i, I don't think inventing things is necessarily her lane you know, she's, you know, she's definitely really hardcore into the, into like architecture specifically, but I think just being a, a daughter of Athena, this stuff at the very least is very interesting and very fascinating for her. Um, again, even if it's not specifically architecture, um, which I'm sure a lot of it is, but you know, even the things in here that aren't specific architecture, I think she could still learn a lot. Um, and just be fascinated by like going through them and seeing how things work and all that and just gaining more knowledge, right? Like she, at her very base, she, she loves that. So I was very happy for her when, when Day Dallas gave her that. And, uh, you know, hopefully, I mean, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the same way that I think very easily we will see, um, the Miss O'Leary, you know, gift come around in the next book. Cause I mean, she's gonna be part of the fight. Like, I don't, I don't see why she wouldn't be. It'd be nice to see this gift also come back around and like Annabeth has some knowledge of like building certain things um that'll that'll help in a fight or maybe just help in the next quest um we just to see if we actually get a quest next time because every book so far there's been a quest right like uh book one lightning thief the quest was to uh get the lightning bolt back right uh book two sea of monsters that was to get the fleece book three titan's curse that was to um, that was to save Artemis, right? Save Artemis, fight off like the monsters or the, 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 the monster that they were, uh, hunting or whatever. Um, and then now book four was to, uh, what, what was this quest? Find, find day Dallas and have him like come back, have, have him like help them navigate the labyrinth and, and defeat Luke. I guess that was sort of the quest, it wasn't really a fetch quest this time, it was more so just like, hey, <laughs> help, um, so we just see if next time we even get a quest, you know, I could very well see it just being, there's no quest, we're in war, <laughs> you know, um, so that could very well be the case, uh, what else do we have, I'll save that for a little later, uh, them finding Pan, they finally found Pan, so we had Percy, Annabeth, Grover, Tyson, Nico, Rachel, 
they all found Pan, finally. They found Pan. Fantastic moment for Grover, specifically. Um, he proved all the doubters wrong, especially the, like, the, the elder council or whatever. Uh, very, very happy. His life's mission. His uh, species mission? Is it species? Satyrs? Whatever, right? Did it. Gonna go down as one of, if not the most important satyr to ever live, right? Unfortunately, Pan does die. He's been, uh, he's been kind of like in this middle state for about 2,000 years now. Finally passes it along. Uh, very, very bittersweet, right? He does leave behind a message, sort of a, a, a mission for all satyrs and everyone, not just satyrs. It's also half-bloods, humans, everyone, where it's like, I cannot be the one, fortunately. Every single one of you out there has to do your part in, in helping, right? <clears throat> and so, uh, again, you know, he brings that back. There's the, the, the debate, and we already talked about that, you know, Dionysus uh, helping and all that stuff, right? Um, but that moment in, in particular was just very, very cool. You know, I'm glad they finally found Pan. Uh, it'd be disheartening to go the entire series and not find Pan, right? Because, you know, it, it kind of feels like a loose end, even if it does feel like something that is ridiculous for Grover to find. Not saying Grover can't do it, but like, They've been searching for him for 2,000 years, you know, like it's, it's been a long time. The, the odds that any one satyr would find them are extremely low. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, but yeah, you know, I, you know, I think Pan lived up to everything, right? Like he had all the cool like extinct animals and stuff, which was cool. And even like the glowing crystal uh, cavern or whatever, really, really cool. Uh, just like aesthetically and visually. Um, but yeah, it, it was also cool because he... He, like, gave weird, like, riddles <laughs> to everyone, you know, um, like, what they're doing, and, like, oh, you know, Annabeth, you're gonna do this, and, you know, uh, Rachel, you know, you're gonna find forgiveness, or whatever, right, um, you know, so I thought that was cool. Whenever God's did that, it's frustrating, but I feel like coming from Pan, he wasn't trying to, like, uh, sort of, like, uh, what, what's the word? Uh, he wasn't trying to hide information from them and sort of be like, ooh, I'm going to tell you a little bit here and you're going to have to work for the rest of it or whatever, like like other gods do, where like they get a kick out of knowing everything and only giving you part of it, you know? Pan truly felt like he was just like trying to comfort all of them um, and make them a little more confident in themselves. And especially, you know, gain a little bit of confidence to help achieve what he needs and and, and, and he wants with, with the wild and nature and all that. So uh, that was that was cool. Um, what else do we have? I already talked about Quintus being Day Dallas. Mention it again. I thought I, I thought that was a cool twist. I didn't see that coming. Um, it did make sense though, because I think even last time we did sort of question Quintus, like who was he really? You know, I think even at the time, I was like, he's definitely been in the labyrinth before. Maybe he lost someone. Maybe he was put on a quest to go in the labyrinth, and that's why he has, like, a weird fascination with it or something. Um, I don't know if I said this last time, or maybe it was me thinking about it during reading this part. You know, but I think I did have a theory in my mind where maybe he was somehow, like, Perdix or, or something, or, like, a descendant of Daedalus in one way or another. Um, but yeah, him being, him being Dedalus was, was really cool. And him also not being like a villain and being on Kronos and Luke's side, him just sort of, I don't know, just, just, just sort of being there. Right. I thought was very, uh, correct for him. Um, I guess we'll get into some earlier stuff now. No, I forget it. We'll, we'll get into some like personal relationship stuff so i already sort of mentioned it but we'll, we'll we'll talk about it maybe in more depth but uh annabeth and luke right like even in that moment where they came running back after seeing chronos be uh you know in control of luke's body uh doing the the magic stuff golden eyes all that stuff right um annabeth couldn't live it couldn't live it down couldn't give it up um she's like 
you know, it's like clearly Kronos taking over his body. Luke might not even be alive anymore. Annabeth arguing and saying, no, there's the mom. Did you see when Rachel threw the, the hairbrush at him for a second? It was Luke. And, you know, him, her arguing, her, her, her getting very upset, um, you know, yelling at Percy, being like, you didn't know him like I did before, yelling at Rachel, calling her a mortal girl again. Um, I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to repeat myself when it comes to this, because I sort of got into it earlier, but I just, I don't know, like, I, I, I want there to be more. And when I say that, <clears throat> I just, I get that Annabeth was in a very rough way, right? I get that she was young, right? She was like seven or something, I think, when they first got to Camp Half-Blood. I get all of that, you know? She saw some very bad stuff, some very traumatizing things, not only with the monsters, but also uh, Thali being turned into a tree, um, you know, and, and, and clearly they, you know, they've done a neat job at even like world building, right? Like, uh, last, no, Sea of Monsters, we saw Annabeth bring Percy and Grover and Tyson, maybe, um, to one of their old hideouts, right? And like, what was it like Louisiana or something? And, and so that, that thing, right, that moment right there, just, again, builds the world a little bit, builds her background of, like, oh, wow, like, this is real, like, they really were on the run for a long time, and they had to kind of, like, camp out and, and whatever, right, it wasn't, like, Percy, where they drove here, and had to fight the Minotaur, I'm not saying it wasn't hard, but it wasn't a long journey, right, but I just, I want there to be, like, one more thing, right, because obviously, we can take it from the angle of uh, love or maybe infatuation, whatever, when it comes to Annabeth to Luke and even Luke to Annabeth, right? Like, you know, I think the feelings are reciprocated in one way or another. I just don't see, like, we've seen more Annabeth, right, than Luke, obviously. I just can't see from Annabeth's side ever getting to the point where she wants to, like, date him or whatever, right, like, I just, I just don't see that, I, I also don't really get that impression whenever she talks about him, I feel like now it's more just, like, respect, and there is just a bond that will never be broken because of their history together, I feel like that is more her feelings towards him, so, her turning, you know, and even a, you know, small little comment that Chiron made, I think, last book, or whatever, uh, to Percy about how Annabeth is very territorial with her friends. I think that also plays a part into it as well, where it's like one of her closest, oldest friends is is now for all intents and purposes, Kronos, right? Like that, that, that hurts her inside. And so there is just more and more reason for her to try to put up walls around that, you know, you know, that part of her heart and be like, no, he, he has to be good in the end. We have to save him. I have to convince him that what he's doing is bad and bring him back to our side so he can be my friend again. Um, you know, like there's just that part of it that like this, this needs to happen. You know, I, I can't live with it being how it is currently. And so I think something to that effect, um, of everything I just described is sort of how she feels about it. I just, that's enough, I suppose, but I, I just really hope in next book we get like one more thing, like one more thing that kind of really helps us, you know, kind of hits us over the head with, okay, I understand. I fully understand why Annabeth can't give it up because right now it just, it just seems again with everything I described, you know, uh, I could totally believe, you know, if that is how Annabeth feels, um, and like her reasoning and, you know, even if it is irrational, right, that, that's enough, I think, um, but it would really help for there to be one more aspect to this, that it's like, 
you know, I don't know, like a very traumatizing moment where Annabeth almost died or something and, and Luke saved her. I I don't know. I mean, that, that sounds really like cliche and, and generic, but something else would help, I think. Because right now I'm just like, listen, Annabeth's great, but Luke is too far, you know? Like he, he's just like, clearly he's had these because he even tried to convince Thalia back, uh, well, you know, last book about like, remember that, you remember all the things we used to talk about, about like hating the gods and whatever. So it's like, he didn't turn this way in the last year. Like he's, he's, he, he's had this mindset for a long time. I'm not saying he's always dreamed of helping Kronos rise or whatever like that specifically, but he's kind of always been this way for a long time. A long, long time, like back probably before you even met Luke. So I just don't think it's as easy as, well, well, there'll clearly be a moment where Annabeth is able to get through to him and make him see that this is all wrong and he should not, you know, hate the gods and be on Kronos' side and all that. Like, I just, I just don't see that happening. So I don't know. I would, I would love for her to somehow maybe talk to Percy and sort of explain I don't know, I guess, you know, pour her heart out or something to Percy and kind of like help Percy and even the readers kind of understand fully because right now I I can see her side of things, but I also don't think in real life, and this is a book, I guess, but in real life, it's like, okay, but you understand that what you want is never going to happen, right? <laughs> you know, so all that um speaking about personal relationships uh we see that percy did memorize rachel's number which made rachel very happy clearly rachel likes percy but i think rachel very clearly knows that annabeth likes percy as well um again i go back to the luke thing where it's like i don't think annabeth would get with luke i don't think she really sees him like that anymore i think now she just sees him as like a friend and also part of her past that's very hard for her to let go um because it's part of who she is whereas percy i do think she would she has grown feelings for him uh as the years have gone on rachel can clearly see that that's you know very much why annabeth is uh again could be jealous just from a friend perspective to be like hey you're immortal you're outsider you don't get to just be all buddy buddy with percy like that all right um he's my friend i i decide (laughs) which is a little toxic (laughs) but um you know that's why i do think it's 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 more of the whole like uh romantic angle of it where it's like well hold on now you know and and we see that because you know another note i have back uh towards the beginning where it's like chapter 11 or 12 or whatever uh when they're at the volcano annabeth does kiss percy goodbye um, didn't see that coming. Percy also didn't see that coming. <laughs> I, I remember like he, he, he was thinking something to the effect of like, he would just stay here forever, <laughs> stunned, trying to figure out what just happened if there weren't monsters closing in on him, you know? Um, you know, that right there is like, okay, we, we clearly see what, where, what their feelings are towards each other. Um, but with Rachel, I think that kind of messes some things up because I do think Percy likes Rachel. Um, I think you're allowed to like more than one person. Um, but that just makes it more complicated for him. Um, you know, I mean, even with he, he was going to invite Rachel to the birthday party, but decided not to. Um, I think at the end of the day, Rachel knows that. Percy and Annabeth are going to be together. I don't think that's, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily going to stop her from liking Percy. Um, but I do think deep down she's like, you know, you know, cause there's even a moment where, uh, where they were in the labyrinth and Annabeth was acting a certain way. She was acting all like grumpy or whatever toward, you know, towards him. And she like, she like stormed away or whatever. And Percy was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rachel. I don't know. She hasn't, she doesn't normally act like that or whatever. And, and, and Rachel's like, seriously, <laughs> she's like, really? You, you, uh, 
you don't you don't get what's going on here and percy and percy's just like i don't i don't what do you mean and she's like wow boys are uh boys are clueless <laughs> because she's like you idiot <laughs> you do not understand her feelings for you you are you are such a moron you know uh but I do think that whole Rachel and Percy stuff does complicate things a little bit. Although, like I said, I, you know, I, I, I don't think that that'll actually become a thing. I could very well see, like, the beginning of next book, us having a moment where Percy and Rachel are hanging out, and maybe Percy even tells us, like, oh, we have, we've actually hung out a few times, you know, here you know, here and there, whatever. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to turn into, like, a relationship uh, of, that, of that level. But I do think it does cause... Annabeth to be put in a very tough situation to be like you have to like unfortunately Percy's an idiot so you're gonna have to be the one to to like make which which she did already kind of makes the first move but she has to I definitely she has to be the one to push it um so um let's see let's see let's see let's see uh and I guess speaking on that we do have Calypso we have that moment where Percy gets thrown into uh, Ogigia. Uh, fortunately, it turns out to be a place that's uh, very sad for Calypso, where uh, she is alone. That's her punishment. And every like thousand years or whatever, she gets thrown a hero, a companion, uh, which is great. And she always falls in love with them. They many times fall in love with her. Or maybe every time, I don't know. Uh, unfortunately, it is still a punishment because it is always a person who cannot stay. They always have something else going on. Again, they're all probably heroes. They're all probably in the middle of a quest or something. And so they, they can, so again, very much a punishment for her to get that little carrot on a stick every thousand years. Um, and you can see it here, though. Again, a lot more... You know, I guess that's to do with him growing up. He's like, you know, he's like 15 now. So you're definitely in that, that prime age for all those thoughts and feelings to be happening to you. Um, a lot of little like romance things happening here with, with Calypso, you know, you, you know, you got some thoughts there where, where he's like, again, it, in another reality, Percy would have stayed with Calypso. <laughs> like 100% in another reality. But then, like I said, you have introduction to Rachel, you have the continuation of the him and Annabeth stuff. So, uh, interesting. So yeah, I, th I thought that was cool. And then that does come back around at the end where he does have the little like flower thing or whatever in his pocket and he does plant it. So I'll be interested to see what that turns into. Um, unless we already know and I just forgot. Uh, but yeah, so that was cool. It'd be cool to see Calypso again. I wonder if, because of the whole war stuff, we'll somehow see Calypso again. Because it's like, well, no one's really here to kind of keep all these things in check. It's sort of like an all-out war, where it's like all hands on deck type type scenario. So, uh, maybe not. Uh, and then just, I guess, a couple smaller things. Um, something we've already kind of mentioned with, with Typhon, but more so on Percy's side. Um, the whole reason why he's he's all... Uh, guilty about it is because he did sort of cause like this huge eruption uh, but I wanted to mention it because I think sometimes we and also the characters in the book forget how powerful Percy is it's like you know I mean again he he, he has a very he has a perfect win percentage when it comes to quests <laughs> so that's really cool um, he also goes on one every year which is crazy because you have like Luke and Annabeth, you have Annabeth who's like, I haven't been in a quest <laughs> ever. <laughs> and you come along <laughs> and all of a sudden we're on quests every year. Um, but I think we do sort of forget how strong and powerful Percy is. Where even in this moment, it's like, you can do things that you don't quite understand because you are son of Poseidon. Same thing with Thalia, I presume. Same thing with Nico. I mean, we, I mean, we've, seen, I mean, we saw Nico do some crazy stuff in this book alone, and we just got introduced to him. So, um, I just wanted to point that out, especially showing something like that, which I think obviously leads to Typhon, but I think it also leads to this, you know, last book, quote unquote, you know, last, uh, with kind of, it, you know, it, you know, it should end with the big war, the, the the end to the war, 
whoever wins, right? Um, and so kind of just reminding you, like, hey, Percy, Percy's that dude. He is, <laughs> you know, he is, he's, he, he, he's not just the main character and that's why he's powerful and important. Like, no, nah, he's, he's the son of Poseidon. He's going to get some stuff done next book. <clears throat> and, uh, last thing, small thing, um, Percy hung Antaeus from the ceiling and then killed him. Uh, I just wanted to mention it just because I thought that was neat. You know, it was a nice little fight there, obviously, from a story perspective, because Luke was involved, and, you know, we got some Luke and Ann best stuff there, and just Luke in general, the labyrinth, all that stuff. We're really in the middle of what's going to happen in this labyrinth. Um, but also, again, like, talking about win percentage with quests, win percentage with fights, too. He's he's kind of crazy, <laughs> you know? Like, Antaeus is not someone you, you typically want to mess with, Um and Percy did, and he won, you know, you know, uh, you know, Antaeus being the son of Gaia, so he has, uh, these, specifically, he has these crazy, like, healing powers when it comes to him touching the ground, and as soon as that was mentioned, I forget who said it, I forget who said it, unless he, he just kind of, sort of, like, thought of this, but this is, like, as long as he's touching the ground, he can't lose and when I read that, I stopped and I thought, how are you going to get this man off the ground? <laughs> you know, like, Percy doesn't have telekinesis. Honestly, what, what I thought in that moment was he was going to, like, flood the place somehow because we've been getting, you know, ramping up more and more with how strong his powers are. Um, this might have been after the whole Gurion stuff, too, when he, like, flooded the stables. I think this was after that. So if if it was that, that's even more of a reminder of like maybe he can just flood it and then Antaeus is like floating in the water, like he can't get to the bottom quick enough for Percy to make a move. Um, although Antaeus, now that I think about it, I didn't think about this at the time, but now that I think about it now. Um, Antaeus also son of Poseidon probably wouldn't have wouldn't have gone his way. So yeah, that was a that was, that was a very stupid prediction. Um, but then, then he hung him in the, in the air with like the chains and stuff and, uh, killed him. So again, another way that I think, and I think I mentioned this last time too, where Percy is doing stuff in clever ways, which I think also takes part in the whole us forgetting how strong he is because a lot of times he doesn't really do things with strength. He sort of outsmarts the opponent because when you fight someone like Antaeus, you're not going to overpower him. Like, he's he's crazy strong. Again, he is a direct son of Gaia. Like, that is some old power, some old magic, you know. Um, so, I thought that was cool. Uh, but that is it. That is all my notes. Um, predictions for next time, like, stuff we're going to see. You know, like I said, I just want to be clear on this. There are more books to the Percy Jackson series, not only little, like, companion books but there are uh seven books currently i think there's more than that being planned to write i think book seven literally like just came out uh because i know book six came out last year and so book seven i'm pretty sure book seven came out like a few weeks ago or something um so there are more books being made like i said book books one through five are sort of the main like series you know because book book five which we're going to start next week came out in 2009 <laughs> And book six came out 2023. So that's uh, 14 years later. So again, I don't know what book six and book seven are about. I imagine they're just like a continuation. Um, maybe there's some huge time jumps. I don't know. I'm sure I'll eventually get to those at some point, but we're not covering those. We're just doing the main five. Um, so with that in mind, predictions, this is obviously going to be the last, the the end of the war. Um seeing who wins, seeing who dies specifically, um, or maybe there are no deaths, again, I've read these books, don't remember them, again, it came out in 2009, I read it when it came out, <laughs> like, I remember it coming out and being like, oh my god, the last book, is this is crazy, so 09, yeah, that, that, that makes sense, doesn't it, because I would have been, oh, I would have been, I would have been 11 at that time, yeah, that does make sense, because I read them in, no, does that make sense, would have been 11, 
I, I guess it does, because I was in, what, what grade was I in? I was in ninth, uh, not ninth grade, that's, that's crazy, that would have been insane if I was in ninth grade at 11, I was in sixth grade, which does track, yeah, because, because you normally start school when you're like five, right, like when you're in kindergarten or whatever, so sixth grade, six years later, six plus five, 11, that doesn't make sense, oh, that's interesting, very interesting how math works, um, yeah, I remember that when it came out, so literally, 14 years ago <laughs> so i don't remember really anything about about the next book um so i guess my predictions are like i mean percy's gonna win right i mean that'd be crazy i mean it's also i guess it's a spoiler but like there is a, a sequel series to this which i will cover at some point and like i just said there's book six and seven coming out so i mean Percy doesn't die at least he might lose i don't fully remember but he doesn't die <laughs> Or I guess he could die and he could come back. I mean, there is the whole, uh, like, underworld type situation. So uh, maybe he does die. I don't, I really don't remember. <laughs> um, other than that, like, I don't know. Um, I really want to hear what, what, what Nico's plan is because it makes sense. I think I just remembered what his plan is. I'm not going to say it. I honestly just remembered something that I'm not going to say. And if it's true... Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. Very risky too. So there's a little cliffhanger for you. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to see like the gods, like who helps who, um, that, that, that sort of thing. Any gifts that are given. I imagine we're going to see more magical items because those are pretty present in every book. Um, I really, again, I'm, I'm a big romance in stories type person when it comes to books or shows or anything. Um, so just like this little, you know, uh, you know, like teen romance or whatever, uh, very much invested in, <laughs> um, and so, like, I, I very much hope that Percy and Annabeth finally, finally, uh, come together and, uh, I don't know, just, like, do what, what everyone around them, I'm sure, is thinking, and they're like, these are two idiots, <laughs> Percy's more, more, uh, clueless than Annabeth is, but it's like, come on, we've been building up to this for so long, um, and yeah, I don't know, again, it's, it's, it's something to make predictions, because I'm just like, I don't know, it's the final battle, they're gonna fight, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, again, I don't know if they're gonna go on a quest, because it's like, this is war, like, I don't know if there's any other quests to go on, I feel like the next quest is, let's kill Kronos, so, you know, but I also don't think it's gonna be 20 plus chapters of them on the battlefield, you know, that'll be, that would just be a complete departure from the structure of the storytelling that Rick has done so far in these four books. So, um, but yeah, that's basically it. Um, next week, obviously, uh, book five, The Last Olympian. We're going to cover chapters one through 11. One through 11. Uh, yeah, we'll have a good time there. I think that's it. Let me know what your favorite parts were of this book, of this part, but also this book in general. Let me know any predictions going into this last book. And, uh, yeah, suppose that's it. Till next time, read the chapters. Um, and, yeah, see you next time.